Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha reading. Stay tuned after the Drosh for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the message. The very beginning of our portion, not the third that we are in, are in, but where it begins, that's when Yaakov actually gets up and leaves from his father's tent. He's at the Er Shabbat, and his father has basically commanded him to leave for several reasons. The portion is named Vayetze, and that means he went out. So he went out from the Er Shabbat, the well of the oath. This portion, Vayetzeh, covers the whole of Yaakov's time in Haram. It starts when he leaves Be'er Shabbat, and it ends when he leaves Haram, the house of Laban. We learn that Avram was actually called by Elohim out of Haran, where Yaakov is living. Avram was from Ur, but his father, Terah, was the one who took him to Haran, which is in the north of Iraq, whereas Ur is in the south. Terah took him up there, and it is from there that Yah spoke to Avram and told him to leave Haran and go to the Promised Land. And again, Yaakov is leaving from there, going back to Haran, to look for a wife. So all of the patriarchs of Israel, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, married women from Haran. Every last one of them. I don't think that's a coincidence. Yaakov then goes out from Haran back to the land of Avram and, and eventually, specifically, back to Be'er Shabbat. But he went. Okay, so he goes, he is sent from Be'er Shabbat looking for a wife. That's the reason that Isaac sent him. But the second reason is, is for sanctuary from his brother. His brother wanted to kill him, and that would have been, in a manner of speaking, that would have been a holocaust. It would have been genocide of the whole Jewish race. Because every Jew that has ever lived since then came out of Jacob's loins. So he wanted to kill Yaakov. He, he was, his mission, whether he realized it or not, was to put to death the plan of salvation, the very plan of God. That was what was in Esau's mind, even if he didn't know it. Similarly, people today want to do, do away with believers just because of their human enmity against them. And it's the same spiritual purpose. Are you with me? Elohim used Haran over and over and over again in his plan. 
And the thing that I see in it is it's a place of mixture. It's a place where people compromise. It's a place where people are very concerned about money. But it's also shelter for the messianic kingdom. Yaakov was on the run. The seed of Abraham is Israel. Everybody knows that, the nation. <clears throat> but in particular, the covenant of Abraham said that there would come a seed and that that seed would inherit the land and be served by the nations. What a lot of people don't know is that Abraham actually fathered many nations in the flesh other than Israel, other than Ishmael. A lot of people don't realize this. Yes, he's the father of those two nations, but he's also the father of other nations. Bereshit 25, Abraham took another wife after Sarai died. I'm in verse 1, and her name was Keturah. And she bore him Zimran, Yokshan, Medan, Midian, Kishbak, and Shua. And Yokshan begat Sheba, and Didan. And the sons of Didan are Ashurim, and Letushim, and Leumim. And the sons of Midian, Epha, and Efer, and Chanok, and Abidah, and Eldaah. All these were the children of Keturah. And Abraham gave all that he had unto Yitzchak. So that's important to know later. Everything that Abraham had went to Isaac. And Abraham was a very wealthy man. Alright? And Abraham gave gifts and he sent them away, the sons of Keturah. He sent them away from Yitzhak, his son, while he had lived eastward unto the east country. And if you look at a map of antiquity, you should recognize some of those names. Midian, Midianites, who fought against Israel all the time once Israel moved back to the land after, having, after, the, after the Exodus. Right? My point is, is that Abraham fathered a whole bunch of people including Israel. But not even that establishes you as a son of Abraham unless you're walking the way that Abraham walked. Okay? You probably recognize Midian, Medan, Sheba, and, or Sheba, and Asherim. Right? He sent them from where he was, which was way down in the south of Israel, back to the east toward where he came from. Back toward Shinar. Not all of them went that far, but some of them did. And a lot of those became the enemies of Israel. Being a son of Abraham is a spiritual matter. It's a matter of promise and obedience and faithfulness. And that's what Isaac had that those did not. One thing you can recognize about Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov is that they lived among pagans. They lived among heathens. Especially in the promised land. And that's something that I've been thinking about lately because we live among heathens. Yet we, we spiritually we do live in the promised land but we're among ungodly people. And, and the, another thing that I'm noticing is that there are... It, 
there is a smattering of godly people out there still. There are. They may not worship exactly like we do, but they are godly people. They're living right. They're doing right. They're, they're striving to be righteous before God. And I think a lot of Messianic people forget that and dismiss it and condemn everybody that doesn't walk like they do. But nonetheless, they lived, these three men lived among pagans, among an atrocious lifestyle. And it affected their homes. Some of it got into their homes. Avimelech tried twice, unbeknownst to himself, to break the Messianic line. Do you realize that? The wives of Esau terrorized Israel and Rebekah. Or Isaac and Rebekah, I should say. Remember that? Rachel, in our portion, takes in the teraphim of her father. And we'll get to that in detail a little bit later. The matter of Dinah, we're going to read about next week, where a daughter of Israel goes out to see what the other women are like and be like them. It's a fact of life. Godly people are affected by and, and, and constantly suffer a barrage, of, an onslaught of, of wickedness on their lives. And so it shouldn't surprise us when it happens in our lives. We're not any better than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not any better. We don't deserve, certainly, anything better than what they got. Right? They had to deal with and fend off idolatry and its poisons over and over and over again. Right now in our portion, we're in the last 20 years of Yaakov. We're in, we are in his 20 years away from the land. Let me say it that way. So I ask you, is it possible that there are shadows of the Messianic Kingdom? And what it would endure in those 20 years in just this portion of Bayishlach? And I think there's a, there are many, many overtones of what the body of Messiah has gone through for the last 2,000 years. We can see a little brief story in Bayishlach and he said, first of all, Isaac sent Yaakov. Yitzchak sent Yaakov. Go and fetch a bride. I did two drashas on that, right? On Abraham and Isaac, right? Well, here we have it again. Isaac is sending Jacob. You're, you're having to run anyway. Run here. But it's a sending out for a bride. And of course, we already know, Yeshua sent out the Talmudim. Go and make Talmudim of all goyim, of all nations. And the thing that we looked at over those two weeks was that's making the bride, right? So there's that. He says, Take from there a wife. And of course, we understand the overtones of that word as a fire offering as well, right? Seen on, on certain days in the high days, right? El Shaddai, bless you, Isaac says to Jacob. That means the mightiest of all gods. There's many gods out there, but there's one that's mightiest above all, and that is El Shaddai. 
says, let him bless you. Let him make you fruitful and multiply. And that's exactly what Yeshua told the Talmudim when he said, go and make all nations and teach them. Follow all that I command you. That's where the fruit of righteousness comes from. Right? And then he says, Isaac to Jacob says, And I want to dive deeper into this. I started to this morning, but I got so, so caught up in, in the rest of it that I didn't get back to this. So I want to come back to this. You shall become a congregation of peoples. He didn't tell him you would become a nation. He didn't tell him you would become anything other than a congregation, an assembly of peoples. If you don't know this, that is what Israel is called just about every time that Abba references them in regard to worship. A kahal. On our logo it says kehilat midashmehat. The congregation of the little sanctuary. You'll see a lot of Messianic congregations call their congregations kehilat this. A congregation. So I think that's interesting that Isaac tells his son that El Shaddai is going to make you a congregation. And of course, I believe that that congregation has always been the faithful ones, including Yeshua, and then the twelve, and then, all, and then the faithful ones that they go out and bring in. But the point that I'm making is even in that, Shaul went out and brought in, Dross came in, Riffraff came in, fake people came in. When Levon shows up in our portion, specifically our third, he only looks in three tents when he starts looking for the idols. He looks in the tent of Yaakov and of Leah and of Rachel. He had servants. He sent messengers in the next portion. But Levon only looks in their tents. That means only they had access to his right. teraphim. Mm -hmm. yeah, and it's interesting to me that he did not find them in Yaakov's tent or in Leah's tent, only in Rachel's. By this time, Yaakov knows clearly who Levon is. He understands it. <coughs> His lily-white exterior that he showed to the servant of Abraham has been exposed as a facade. And you'll find out later, I think I read it a little bit later, I'm not sure, but I'm just going to speak it to you. You probably, you may not have read it because it's in the second third and not the third third that we read. But Yaakov explains to his two wives, the daughters of Levon, how wicked their father has been. And all the many times that he has deceived him now he has tricked him and robbed from him and, 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 and yeah, and taken his wages for 20 years. And he says that to his daughters. So Levon is not Lily White, even though he claims to be. And now we know that he has little deities in his house. And what they are is little statuary that you put on an altar in your home. He's a mixer. He worships both God 
God of Yaakov, and the, the little gods of the world. Yaakov knows that. But Laban believes in the same God. Laban confesses the name of Yahweh. Not just call God God or Lord or Master, but call him by his name. And Laban understands the promise to Abraham. And I'm going to prove all three of those. But I want you to let that sink in. Laban knows God, the Creator. Laban knows his name and calls on it and honors it. And he understands the gospel. He's fake, though. He believes in the same God. Laban said this, But the Elohim of your father spoke unto me last night, saying, Take heed to yourself that you speak not to Yaakov, either good or bad. You might say, but that was just God giving him a dream. Well, if he didn't believe in the Creator and, and understand who it was that came and spoke to him, he never would have echoed that to Jacob. Are you with me? And then he turns around and says, See, Elohim is witness between me and you. He's referencing the Creator. It gets even deeper than that, though, because we know that the Creator has a name, right? So did Levon. Laban stood by the camels at the fountain and he said, this is, to, this is to Abraham's servant. Laban stood by the camels at the fountain and he said, Come in, O blessed of Yahweh. Why do you stand outside for I have cleared the house and made room for the camels? You with me? Then Laban, later on, says, Then Laban and Bethuel, his father, said to that same guy, this thing proceeds from Yahweh. We cannot speak unto you bad or good. In other words, we know that what you, the servant of Abraham, have spoken is from not only Elohim, but spoke his name. Laban and Bethuel. And then a little bit later, and Laban said unto him, Yaakov, if now I have found favor in your eyes, I have observed the signs, and Yahweh has blessed me for your sake. And lastly, he says to Yaakov, Yahweh, watch between me and you when we are absent one from another. Four times he is called on the name. He understands the gospel. Back in that same story with Abraham's servant, it says, when the unnamed servant stood before him and his father, it says, And they said, Laban and Betuel. From Yahweh is the word. Now on the portion, on the Peshat level of it, 
Yes, it just means this thing is from Yah. But don't tell me that it's not also that they understand the blessing of Abraham because of who they're talking to. Because that servant spoke in the name of Yah and on behalf of Abraham. And those two men knew this. I might be getting a little ahead of myself because I'm already excited, but Bethuel is the son of Nahor, the triplet brother of Abraham. Nahor was alive when Abraham left Haran at the call of Yah. You don't think that his twin brother, I say twin because one of the triplets had died, and yes, they were born at the same time. You don't think that his twin brother didn't ask him, Daddy just died, where the heck are you going? Yeah, tell him. You don't think Abraham didn't tell him? God told me I gotta go. From Yemah comes forth the word. I believe that is a hint that these men understood the gospel. And what most people today don't understand, the gospel is way back here in the book. They don't get it. That God would save the world through one man. Abraham was a vessel to bring that about. Isaac was a vessel to bring that about. Jacob was a vessel to bring that about. They knew that. Esau knew it when he wanted to kill his brother. It wasn't a secret. The older shall serve the younger. It wasn't a secret. There's proof that Nahor was still alive, just in case you doubt that. After Abraham left, and then all this happens, there's proof that Nahor lived on, and Betuel learned from his father, and Laban learned from Betuel his father. And we know how the house of Abraham behaved, how he talked of the flood, how he talked. Are you with me? Yeah. So did Nahor. His children still worship God, still call him Yah, but they're also mixing. Came to pass after these things that when it was told to Abraham, so Abraham is still alive at this point, saying, Behold, Milcah, she also has borne children unto your brother Nahor. Uz, his firstborn, Uz, his brother, Kimuel, the father of Abraham. So Uz and Buz are twins. They're twins. Because it says Uz, his firstborn, and his brother Uz. And Kemuel, the father of Abraham, and Kesed, and Chazo, and Pildash, and Yidlaf, and Betuel. Betuel was the youngest of Nahor, and that's Laban's father. Laban shows us that Nahor was of the same faith of Abraham, his brother, because he says the Elohim of Abraham, he's talking to Yaakov in our portion. The Elohim of Abraham, the Elohim of Nahor, and the Elohim of their father, Terach. He didn't say Terach, but that's who their father is. Abraham and the poor. Judge between us. They were all believers in the same God. And, Laban says, except the Elohim of my father, 
the Elohim of Abraham in the Pachad Yitzchak, the God of the terror of Isaac. Levan says this to Yaakov. It's mentioned twice in our portion. The terror, Pachad. That's, that's the word that we read when we read that passage, basically telling the world to do your worst. You know, make your plan, it shall not prevail. Pachad is the word used in there. The terror of Isaac. This is Laban speaking to Yaakov, and he said, no, this is Yaakov speaking to Laban and saying, the Elohim of my father and of Abraham and the, and the fear of Isaac had been on my side. Surely by now you would have sent me away empty. But Laban knew about that. Elohim has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and gave judgment last night. That's Yaakov speaking to Laban about the terror and he's saying, you know that Isaac inherited the promise of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham. You know it. And Laban also knew that Jacob was the inheritor of it. And later on, Yaakov swore by the pot of his father to Laban. By the, by the terror of Isaac, I will keep our own. So what is that? The terror of Isaac. Well, let's look. It's concerning the blessing. It's concerning the wells and the oath. Yaakov left 20 years before from the Er Shabbat. But concerning Isaac, we don't learn a whole lot about that man's life. We learn of his birth, his brit milah, his weaning, the sacrifice, the binding of Isaac. He goes missing. For 20 years, and then he gets married, and then he has two sons, and immediately we flip to their lives. We learn a lot about their lives at, at, at his death, right? There's only one other instance in Isaac's life, and it's over those wells. All those wells. Wells that Abraham dug. It says, Pelishtim filled them all in. And Isaac came back through and dug them all back up. That's effectively what we're doing. For 2,000 years, the Pelishtim have been filling in the wells of Abraham and hiding them from the people of, from the sons of Abraham. What do I mean? The depth of the richness of the faith of Abraham has been hidden from, from his own children. People of faith. For 2,000 years. And that's what we're doing is digging them back up. Are you with me? Yeah. And in all of that, let me go ahead and read this. All the wells which his father's servant, his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the police team had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Yitzchak, Go from us. You are, for you are much mightier than we. They were afraid of him. He was living back over in Gerar, back over in the land of the Pelishtim, which is right on the coast of the Mediterranean, going south toward Egypt. 
He moved back over there when Abraham lived there and dug a bunch of wells. And Isaac is going around digging up the wells, and the Jewish team around him are terrified of him. Why? He inherited everything Abraham had, and so. Because it says that he became wealthy. And if you're wealthy back then, it was measured by how many men lived in your house and how many cattle you had and how much gold and silver you had. And how many swords were sheathed by those men. They were terrified of him. And Yitzchak digged again the wells of, his, of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, for the police team, and stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names which his father had called them. He went back to the original. And Yitzchak's servants digged in the valley and found their well of Mayim Chaim. And the herdmen of Gerar strolled with Yitzchak's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Eset, because they contended with it. And they digged another well and strove there also. And he called the name of it Sitna, which basically means hatred, enemy. And he removed from there and digged another well, for they for, and for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehovot, and he said, For now Yahweh has made room for us, and we'll be fruitful in the land. And he went up from there to Be'er Shabbat, and Yahweh appeared unto him that same night and said, I am the Elohim of Abraham, your father, fear not, for I am with you, and I will bless you and multiply your seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he built a Mizbeth there and called upon the name of Yahweh and pitched his tent there. And there Yitzchak's servant digged a well. And Avimelech went to him from Gerar, and Ahuzat his friend, and Pichol the captain of his host, and Yitzchak said unto them, Why are you coming to me, seeing you hate me, and have sent me away from you? And they said, We saw plainly that Yahweh was with you, and we said, Let there now be an oath between us, even between us and you, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will not, that you will do us no hurt, as we have not touched you, we... And as we have done unto you nothing but good and have sent you away in shalom, you are now the blessed of Yahweh. And he made a feast and they did eat and drink and they rose up in the morning and swore to one another. And Yitzhak sent them away and they departed from him in shalom. And it came to pass the same day that Yitzhak's servant came and told him concerning the well which they dig and said unto him, We have found water and they called it Shiva. Therefore the name of the city is Be'er Shiva unto this day. And that's where Isaac lived out his years. And the point is, it's because of the same thing that Isaac, or that Jacob is telling Levon, the blessing of Yahweh is upon him. That's the terror of Isaac. The blessing of Abraham had been transferred to him. The, all the wells that Abraham dug were his wells. All the wealth that Abraham had is his. It's a spiritual blessing that they understand and perceive. They get it. And they're afraid of it. Levon knew this. Did you catch that Abraham heard about Nahor all the way down to Beersheba, all the way down in the south of Israel that he heard about his brother? We think about these things in a modern mindset. There weren't very many people back then. And everybody that, that traded with Egypt from Iraq had to go through Israel to get there. And if you don't know anything about gossip by now, <laughs> scuttlebutt is fast. That's a Navy term that means gossip. 
It moves quick. I'll never forget, we were moving to Kirbyville. We hadn't moved there yet. That's Melanie's hometown. We, we, we purchased a house, and it was my first time in town, off wandering by myself after we purchased our house. And I pulled into a convenience store in Kirbyville. Everybody knows Melanie in Kirbyville. Everybody. And so they all knew who I was. I was news to Kirbyville. And so, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, the, yeah, I'm the second to Melanie and her husband. And so I go into this convenience store, and this woman that I do not know says, Oh, I heard y'all are moving to Kirbyville. <laughs> I haven't even told my own parents yet. <laughs> you get my point? News travels fast. Laban knew just like Abraham knew of what was going on in either place, even though they're six, eight hundred miles apart. He was terrified of the blessing. There is a there is a hint at the gospel, I believe, in this. On a spiritual level. And that's why the body gave chase. Was out of fear. Trying to make Laban or trying to make Jacob fear. Trying to put fear in him. That's why spirits come after us, is trying to put fear in us. We have to stand. Another feature of this whole story that I think is elusive to the messianic kingdom is Rachel. And I hinted at this a little bit last week, and I could go far deeper into it than I did here because it's a deep story about Rachel and those teraphim. She is the bride that Yaakov delights in. He came to her. He left her. So it's, I, I just realized that. I was living across the river and I go... I go to her. <laughs> and uh, he came to her. He married her where she lives, not back in where his father is. He teaches her of the ways of Yah and clears idols out of his own tent because there were not in her tent until she was leaving. Are you with me? Yaakov didn't have any teraphim with him. Leah didn't have any teraphim with her. She's the natural bride. Yes. She's the legal bride. She's the primary bride. Right? Yep. And even though she's plain and homely, she ain't got no idols in her tent. Right? Yes. The Bible says that, not me. I didn't say anything that ain't true. <laughs> Acting like I'm cruel. God said it. <laughs> and when Yaakov said all those things about their father and explained the situation to them and said, we're fixing to leave, Rachel and Leah answered him and said, for all the riches which Elohim has taken away from our father, this 
that is ours and our children's. Now then, whatever Elohim has said to you, we will do. They were believers, and they were following their husband. Rachel is listed first, even though she was the second bride. It says, Rachel and Leah said. Leah is representing natural Israel, I believe, and Rachel is representing spiritual Israel. And so in a sense, that is what has happened. So if you have to look at, I wish I had the time to lay all of this out with, from Sarah to Rebecca to Leah to Rachel to the fetching of the bride and all. And I hope it's kind of, you're seeing it from these, over these few weeks that we've been looking at this. How relative it is to us. And so natural Israel leaves first in the sense of the gospel. Yeshua speaks to the Talmudim and gives them power, gives them the inheritance, and tells them first go to Judea, Jerusalem first, the city, then Judea, Israel, then Samaria, our kindred neighbors, the, the northern tribes. Blows the two house junk out of water, if you ask me. Uh, then go to them. And then go to all the ends of the earth. And so the gospel left there and went to the very place that we're talking about first. Bringing, bringing the, the children of Bethuel and, and all of Abraham's other children. Bringing them into the family. Spiritually. And then it goes even further than that. And then all the way back to Israel. On the way back to the promised land. Rachel brings paganism with her. She got married in her land. <clears throat> her groom is about to take her away from her father's house and she grabs Teraphim with her. And she never makes it. She didn't make it to Isaac's tent. She died on the way. She died because she hid the idol. She didn't die because she had the idol. She died because she hid it and didn't confess. She didn't acknowledge that she was the one who had done it. She knew it was with her. She concealed it. She hid it. She wouldn't confess it to her groom. It's me. I have it. And had she confessed it, she lived. There are people today that know they are sitting on idols. They are believers. They worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They worship Yeshua. They call him. They, they love him. They, they, they feel his presence. They understand who he is. They even move in the power of the Spirit, but they sit on those idols. And they won't confess it. And Yeshua has told us, there are many who will say to me on that day, did I not cast out devils in your name? 
They think that all of that is the mark of righteousness. And Yeshua was going to tell them, go away from me, you who work iniquity, I do not know you. Go away from me. And it, her, think about this, her death happened at the birth of her son. Yeah. How many times have I told you that the Nassau is signified by a birth? Yes. As a birth. Remember the woman clothed in the sun? His birth and her child is snatched up. Yes. That's the rapture. And Rachel died. She wanted to name that boy Ben Oni. Yes. And Yaakov says, Ben Yemini. Where does Yeshua live? Right now. At the right hand of the Father, Ben Yemini. The son of my right hand. Do you see it a little bit deeper now? Yeah, okay. 
She was always concerned about magic ways to procreate. And on a, on a similar, in a similar fashion, so is the church today. I say that because I'm distinguishing it slightly from the actual congregation of God. But believers today try to build the kingdom of God through the same magic arts that other religions are built. They emulate them. Their businesses are built. The way businesses are built. The way nations, bad nations are built. They, they use the same exact methods. And in particular, if you go into most congregations today, the lights are slightly dim. And they're going to play lulling music to get you in the mood. And there's patterns of music that they use to get you there. And they get you moving. And then they start speaking in a, in a particular cadence and with a particular... Those are all techniques of techniques of hypnosis. It's the power of suggestion. And there are real people of God in there who are having fake experiences that think they're real, and there are real people of God in there who have real experiences experiences and getting the heck out. She held on to, Rachel held on to the ways of the world even when she was going on a divinely appointed journey that she herself recognized as divine. She hung on to an idol. And she's the bride. And I'm saying that because the bride of Messiah has been doing the same thing. And I personally believe, and I told someone this week, I don't remember who it was, but I personally believe that God is wooing and pleading. Can you imagine Yaakov having to tell his two wives, I'm taking you out of here. We gotta go. Get it come out from among them. We gotta get out of here. And look at it. Half of the congregation was idolatrous, even though they agreed to come. There's so much in this, I can scream. And I don't have time to go into all the details. She took, Rachel took the whitewashing approach of her father. And I do believe that's why he's called white, Laban. Laban means lily white. And I believe that's, he whitewashes everything. Whitewashed everything he did that was wrong. Whitewashed the fact that he was after the money. When the servant showed up with all those camels full, ten camels, hauling gold and silver and jewelry and all that, and he's like, oh, come on in, blessed of Yah. He whitewashes his whole life. Can't admit that he's ever done anything wrong. And Rachel was doing the same thing. And Yaakov was the one who pronounced her, her death. Yes. Yep. Yep. That wasn't in our portion, but it is what happened. Yes. Actually, I think it might have been. It was in our portion. Yes. It was in our portion. Yeah. Whoever has these things will die. And of course, just a chapter or two later, Rachel dies. 
Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is prudent, let him know them. For the ways of Yahweh are right, and Tzadikim walk in them, but transgressors do stumble therein. We are praying for, and I say that as we in the matter, in the sense of this congregation. I want you to keep it in the fore of your mind. We're praying for the repentance of God's people, for Rachel to repent. And that includes not only Christians who do those things, but the Jewish community as well. That they repent of these things and confess their idolatry and come out of it. Because I've told you, bad doctrine is idolatry. It is. I could be here all day, but you better stop. Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha. In the description, you'll find all the links to our websites and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayot ministry. Until the next time, we pray God blesses you with shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.